Welcome to Exotic Pets. I'm Tracy Hotchner, whom you may know as the dog and cat lady, but I'm wearing a different hat here. With the brilliant collaboration of my co-host, Dr. Doug Mater, the world-renowned veterinarian specializing in exotic animals, we are here to celebrate all the other pets that share people's lives. This show is for people interested in pets that slither, hop, creep, fly, or swim, from bunnies to iguanas, parrots to ferrets, snakes to tortoises. Dr. Doug is going to teach us the physical requirements of these exotic pets and how to manage the often challenging environments and correct diets essential to their welfare. Dr. Doug Mater is the author of the wonderful memoir, The Vet at Noah's Ark, Stories of Survival from an Inner City Animal Hospital. He is recognized worldwide as a veterinary specialist on exotics and is the author of four major veterinary textbooks on reptiles and amphibians. We are proud to have ZooMed Laboratories as the founding sponsor of Exotic Pets. ZooMed has earned its reputation as the number one reptile and amphibian supplier in the world from simple beginnings 45 years ago as a passion project for one man who still runs it. Renowned as the international leader in UVB and heat lighting, ZooMed manufactures all their reptile supplies, accessories, and tools in the U.S., which they test on their own collection of animals, which surround everyone at headquarters. We're also sponsored by Oxbow Animal Health, the one brand that has stood out for more than 30 years as the leader in health and wellness for small mammals. Veterinarians, rescues, and passionate pet parents worldwide trust Oxbow to support the health and happiness of their small pets. Oxbow provides for rabbits and guinea pigs, ferrets and chinchillas, hamsters and gerbils, mice and rats, because these small pets have big hearts and require special nutrition and care. Oxbow has everything needed for their best life, the right hay and nutritionally complete foods, treats and supplements, litter and bedding, and a whole line of enrichment products created so your little loved ones can chew, play, hide, and explore every day. We're also brought to you by the bird food specialist Zupreme, which started with a revolutionary yet simple idea, provide exceptional diets for extraordinary animals. Best known as the bird nutrition specialist, Zupreme creates many foods for birds of all sizes, and they also make a variety of treats to appeal to every sort of bird and enhance their lives. I am back with Alex Rybeck and his wonderful corn snake, Petula, who are featured in Johanna Siegman's wonderful book, In Good Company, Notable People and Their Pets. Alex, last time we talked a lot about you and your life and how you came to be a musical director and also how you came to have a love of nature and snakes in particular. I want to talk about encouraging other people to think about snakes as pets, but maybe particularly corn snakes. Petula, corn snakes sounds to those that are uninitiated, which is me, I sort of play the wide-eyed, you know, don't know anything host of the show because that's who I am. But I'm fascinated by people who uh -huh. choose to have non-dog and cat pets. Corsake sounds kind of like a blah name, but she's so fancy looking. She's so <laughs> gorgeous. What, Thank you. What made you pick a corn snake? It's been almost 10 years ago that you got Petula. Yeah. Um, in fact, they are among the most popular, well-known snakes in the snake in the pet snake world. Okay. Um, at one time when I, when I, I grew up in the 
60s, basically, 60s, 70s. And I think they were the most popular pet snake at that time. I think that's been now superseded by the ball python. Perhaps you've heard of ball pythons. I have heard of ball um, pythons. Yeah, I often think very, it means they're bald, popular. but all snakes are bald. No, not bald. bald. I know. I'm just kidding. You're bald. Yes. I'm bald. Yes. No, but a ball a python yes. uh, is named that because when they're nervous, they curl up into a tight little ball with their head in the middle of the ball. That's their protective stance. Anyway, and that and ball pythons, to me, they're, it's like a pet rock. <laughs> they don't do anything. They don't oh, move. They just sit there like in a ball. Uh, to me, a, a, and, and when they do move, it's like in slow motion. Which, again, for some people, that would make them the ideal snake pet. You know, they they don't. Some people are. They don't like the fact that snakes might move quickly or, you know, right. the way they sort of are sinuous that disturbs people. And a ball python is like a pet rock, you know, so some people like having something that will just sit in their lap or in, in their hand and not move. And they're okay with that. You know, to me, that would be a little boring. Um, so one of the things that I like about a corn snake, uh, you've already mentioned just the sheer beauty of them, just the way nature made them, the various shades of orange, black, and white, and uh, the black and white checkerboard belly is kind of surprising if you've never seen that before. And then the dorsal side, the back side, is uh, different shades of orange blotches uh, outlined in black against another shade of orange. It's be- they're beautiful. Exquisite. If, I mean, if they were a fabric, you'd want, you'd want them to be yeah. a dress. Or if they were a fabric, you'd want <laughs> to have them as your drapery. I mean, it's really so the, dramatic. The sheer, the, sheer, the sheer beauty of them, to me, is, uh, you know, how do you even question that? Yes. But um, but talking about snakes in general, one of the other, I, there are many advantages, I think, of, of snakes as pets. Uh, i they're hypoallergenic, which for me was important because I'm allergic to cats and dogs and fur and feathers. And I, I love dogs and cats and birds, but I could never keep one because I'm very allergic to them. So for people with allergies like me, reptiles are, you know, you should look into reptiles because they're hypoallergenic. Mm-hmm. They're quiet. A snake is not going to keep right. your neighbors up, you know, by barking. You don't have to walk them. <laughs> <laughs> so it can be snowing out or raining out or cold out or hot out doesn't matter your snake is going to live inside your house in a terrarium in a you know environmentally controlled environment and um you don't have to walk them so i mean the advantages go on and on and on um unless you're into pythons and things that grow you know 18 feet long um you know again corn snakes are a manageable size let's talk uh, about the terrarium because yeah. There's companies that make extraordinarily elaborate and fascinating enclosures for snakes. Yes. Not, snakes they don't do even not, have to be no, big, do, but they're gorgeous. Snakes, they ha- do, snakes do not need fancy environments. In fact, I would argue against them, and most snake, serious snake keepers would argue against having super fancy interiors. It's, it, it's different if you're keeping, say, rainforest frogs and you know, things like that that need to be surrounded by lots of plants and have, you know, be misted, you know, five times a day to right. keep the humidity up and everything. Um, corn snakes in particular need very little to be happy. They need a place to hide. They need one side of their terrarium to be slightly cooler and the other side to be slightly warmer. Snakes, like all reptiles, are... Um, what, what used to be called cold blood, and now we use a different term, uh, 
uh, I want to say endothermic. Is that the term? That sounds like a really um, good term. But how do you keep one side point, hot versus is, cold? That's the, pretty fancy right uh, there. Well, it's pretty easy to achieve either with a, a, a heating pad that you can put under the side of, you know, half of half of the tank can be sitting over a heat pad or you do it with overhead light. The point is that a snake has to move around to be its preferred temperature. Ah. We because because you and I are quote unquote warm blooded, right? If you cut us open, we're, we're ninety eight point six inside, right? Something close to that. So we maintain that temperature. Reptiles don't have that. Um, th- their system is different. So when they get overheated, they have to move into a cooler environment. Their their bodies won't cool down unless their environment is cooler. And if they get too cold, they need to move into a warmer environment. So you always want to give them a choice because in nature, they would roam around, right? They would right. eventually find they could burrow underground or up a tree or they could find, you know, crawl into your basement. They'll, they'll find someplace that suits well, speaking of needs. speaking of crawling up into a tree, a, a lot of the terrariums that I saw that were on display at Global Pet Expo had mm-hmm. what were extinguished or expired coffee trees or cocoa trees. These beautiful, looked like mm. driftwood, and they were in most mm. of the mm-hmm. terrariums for various kinds of snakes and other critters, and they looked very beautiful. But the critters were going up in them and draping themselves on them and using them as a perch of sorts. Yeah. Well, again, there are different kinds of snakes that have different needs in, in nature. There are, there are ground-dwelling snakes. There's some snakes that never come, that live literally in the ground. They live, you know, in, in the ground, and you never see them. They're called fossorial snakes. They're snakes that are basically ground-dwelling. They're snakes that are arboreal, that live in the trees and never come down out of the trees. Wow. Well, what about a corn um, snake? Where, where, corn where would snakes, Petula's choice be? One of the reasons I like uh, corn snakes is they're very active, and if if you give them things to crawl on, they love to climb. They love to, they love branches. They love to climb trees. They like to be on high ground and look down on things. Um, uh, if one gets loose in your apartment and you're looking for it, look I say, look on the top of shelves. <laughs> look up. Yes, exactly. It's probably climbed up a bookshelf or something or up a lamp. It wants, they like to sort of look down. Um, but corn snakes are happy kind of everywhere. They, they, they enjoy swimming. They enjoy the land. They enjoy the trees. Oh, wait. They're very swimming. Hang on. Hang curious. on. Do you fill yeah. the bathtub and let her go for a swim? Not too much. I have. <laughs> Not too but, much, uh, but you have. <laughs> Sounds like that's fun. Well, the reason is because I get a little nervous about, you know, tub clean. Like, just the, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Hygiene? Just the, thank you. Well, yeah, the, you know, I'm I'm worried about chemicals and things like that. Oh, for her, not for you. For her. Right. Yeah, I don't want her accidentally ingesting, you know. Some leftover bath cleaner. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so when you went to the snake store, so just I get this vision. I mean, if anyone, you you guys have to all listen to my first conversation with Alex. He's had a, had and has a fantastic life as a musical director. So these specifics are so interesting to me because a well-traveled and now traveling again post-COVID musical director mm-hmm. and all of this stuff, this snake keeping often has seemed to me like, you know, I don't know, somebody kind of a recluse in a in an apartment somewhere and not going around and out much. 
and kind of just hunkered down with their snake. But obviously, there's many different kinds of people who have snakes. So when you decided, I'm going to have a snake as my companion, how she's did you pick? She's the perfect apartment. She's the perfect apartment. Yeah. Pet. She's the only kind of pet I really could have because um, corn snakes require very little hands-on care. and They don't want to be handled a lot. They don't want to be fussed over. Most snakes are, are solitary. They're happy to be left alone. So if I'm going away, and she eats once every 10 days. I don't know if I mentioned that. Wow, you so, did. What does she um, eat? I buy frozen mice. I have a, a mouse supplier on the <laughs> Upper West Side. And, you know, he'll sell me like a bag of 40, you know, frozen mice. I keep them in the freezer, you know, next to the ice cream and ice cubes. And what's like you it. would keep your your pork chops. Or, and you, you defrost know, first? Frozen snake. And yeah, when she's, you know, every 10 days I'll take out a mouse or two small ones, put them in a little baggie, you know, because they're frozen, right? right? So I put one in, uh, in a baggie and then I put the baggie in a thermos of warm water. I keep that thermos just for this purpose. Oh, good. Know. So when I and, when you uh, offer me some hot tea, it won't be from the, the dead mouse thermos. It won't be thermos. from that thermos, okay, I promise. Good. Right. Uh, and I fill the thermos with uh, warm water and put the baggie with the mouse in it and let it soak in warm water for, you know, like 40 minutes till it's soft and, you know, completely defrosted and, and soft. And then I'll offer it to Patola and she is Describe offering it. it. Okay. Um, I either I either just toss it in. Sometimes, well, I, I usually combine the cage cleaning with feeding. So I usually take Petula out of her terrarium and put her in a, a little holding t- terrarium, you know, just a place to, to hang out. Keep her, take her out, to hang out out of her glass tank. And then I can clean up uh, a snake poop if there's any snake poop and just change her water and give her fresh paper towels. I keep her terrarium very sparse she has, you know some water dishes and some branches and some places to hide but it's uh, and paper towels on the bottom it's very simple um snakes do not care you know they don't need lots of fancy stuff and the more fancy stuff you put in their terrarium that stuff that they're gonna poop on and get dirty and that you have to eventually right, throw out or keep yeah. cleaning yeah so it's better to keep them uh clean and sanitary and sparse as far as their environment. So, yeah, so I'll put her aside, I'll clean out the cage, and the the mouse is thawing. And then I'll either, once her cage is clean, I'll put her back in her cage. And at that time, I will either feed her a mouse. I usually use forceps to offer her the mouse just so that in her excitement she doesn't grab a a finger instead of the mouse. Do you you dangle it? Uh, Because... Yeah, I'll dangle it in front of her and, you know, make it sort of dance in front of her because they're attracted by movement and scent. Okay. Again, snakes have a tiny brain. They're not really smart. Okay. And um, <laughs> people have to keep remembering that. They they want their reptiles to be like cats and dogs. and They're not that intelligent. It's just about and survival. So, yeah, and, and they're very, yeah, they're scent-oriented. Their sight tends to be not always super good. So sometimes, for instance, I'll just put the thawed mouse in the terrarium before I put her back in. So then I put her in the terrarium and I'll watch her, you know, find the mouse. Which she's when you see a snake flicking its tongue, they're they're taking scent molecules oh, out of the air, and that's that's why they flick their tongue. They're sort of saying, "Oh, is there food around? Is there water right. around?" That's that's a sense organ for them. 
so she'll, her tongue will be flicking, and I can see that she gets excited. She can tell there's a mouth somewhere near. But she might take a lot. It might be like right in front of her, and she'll keep missing it. You know, she'll keep looking past it. Really? Because it's not because it's not moving. And yeah, really. And uh, so very so very often I will use the forceps and wiggle method because she'll find it faster. The forceps and wiggle method. I love it. Yeah. Um, Well, uh, this is all so interesting. And to people listening who already are snake aficionados, it's like, yeah, Tracy, how do you not know this stuff? Because I want to know each person's individual experience of their of their exotic pet, or in this case, of the reptile. Most people have no experience with snakes. And the, I've made converts because people come over who have never held a snake. Yes, and, and it's really I cool. I tell you, nine out of ten people, once they actually hold one, I tell them, I say, it's like holding a wallet. You know, have you ever <laughs> held a wallet? You know, leather is leather. Um, but this is better because it moves and it's, you know, it feels nice. And people are amazed at how nice it feels and how relaxing how relaxed they feel when they're sitting holding a snake. And that's what you love and, about um, her. Well, Alex, yes, it's, it's, it's really wonderful <laughs> for you to share this this relationship and this guardianship that you have of this beautiful girl. Uh, and I hope she lives a lot longer. We, we've only got another moment left, but how long would might she survive? Is there a, is there a known lifespan? Yeah, I, m- most... Uh, resources will tell you that a corn snake uh, can live 20 years in captivity. And I've had Petula about 10. I don't know how old she was exactly when I I bought her at a reptile fair. She was about 18 inches long. So I'm assuming she was probably anywhere from six months to a year old. Well, you're only halfway on your journey with each other, which is fantastic. Right? She lives to 20. I hope so. All right. She lives to 20. Alex Ryback and Petula, you make a wonderful pair. And thank you for speaking up on behalf of corn snakes everywhere. It's been a pleasure Uh talking to you. Dr. Doug Mater and I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Exotic Pets and our desire to educate and inspire you to give your exotics their best possible life. This show is brought to you by the wonderful companies that cater to the needs of exotic pets. From Zubad Laboratories, where they make everything you need to keep your reptiles and amphibians in tip-top shape, to Oxbow Animal Health, with health and wellness solutions for small mammals, and Zupreme, the company dedicated to your bird's nutrition. And if you haven't read Dr. Doug's book, The Vet at Noah's Ark, yet, do yourself a favor and pick up a copy.